What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Take a 20. This is episode 9. Actually, fallen a little bit behind. Uh, I know that I've fallen off the schedule of Monday and Friday. Gonna get back to that. I'm probably gonna end up uploading two episodes, um, kind of back to back, one today and probably one tomorrow as well, just to compile everything and make sure that I catch up on everything that I need to. So, thank you, everybody, for your patience. <laughs> with waiting for the next episode i know a lot of people have been hitting up hitting me up and being like hey like what what's going on where's the next episode here it is i'm sorry that it's taken so long but we're gonna get back on track um really i just want to jump right into it um because a whole lot of stuff has been happening so first thing that i really want to touch on is the fact that everybody is saying like the lakers should panic and trade Russell Westbrook, I get where the concern is coming from, from everybody. Um, let me double check what the score was. I know that Westbrook did not have a good game against uh, Golden State. Yeah, he ended up having eight points, five rebounds, and four assists on four of 13 shooting, which is not great. Um, but... I actually didn't get a chance to really watch the game, so there's a lot of things that don't show up on the stat sheet that he probably was doing, so I just, I need to be able to actually watch the game with him in season to actually make a solid choice on, like, whether you guys, or whether the Lakers should or shouldn't trade Russell Russell Westbrook at this point. I don't think that it's necessary. Unless you're looking at the fact that like Wayne Ellington, Kendrick Nunn, Trevor Reza, and Taylor Horton Tucker are all out. Trevor Reza and Taylor Horton Tucker are going to be gone for at least, I think at least a month and a half. Uh, or two months actually. Kendrick Nunn with the ankle sprain is kind of a day-to-day thing. Wayne Ellington with the hamstring is a day-to-day thing. So you, you're not too concerned with that. But you have lost a lot of the depth that everybody was very excited about with the Lakers going into the season. They did pick up Avery Bradley, which I think is a really good pickup for them. Uh, He'll pay really good dividends. And like I said, there's certain things that don't show up on the stat sheet. I see that he played eight minutes. I'm sure that it was a very effective eight minutes, but he didn't tally anything. He didn't get any points, assists, nothing. So it's, it's little things that just don't really show up on the stat sheet that you know, unless you're watching the game, you don't really know the full impact of what that player did. So, should the Lakers panic the way that their preseason went? No. Should they panic that they lost to the Golden State Warriors? I wouldn't say they should start panicking, but it's definitely open for concern. Because, yeah, I, I expected the Warriors to be good, um, not good enough to beat the Lakers on opening day, regardless of them missing four of their key players. Um, it, it was very surprising to me because I didn't, like I said, I didn't get a chance to watch the game, but I got the notification through with the ending of the uh, ending of the game and seeing the score, I was like, honestly, very surprised. Like Stephen Curry got a triple double in that first game. So we already know that Westbrook probably wasn't defending him the greatest. Um, 
But again, I don't think that the Lakers are in a situation where they need to panic. This is something that I honestly, I wasn't expecting all of these injuries. I was more so expecting them to get off to a rocky start. Like, honestly, I expect them kind of to get off to... What what did I predict? Let me double check that because I think I said that they would get off to like. No, I I said that they were going to be good right out the gate, which is I shouldn't have done that because I know that they're not going to be good right out of the gate. It's going to take them some time to really build that chemistry and learn how to play with each other on the court, because as you saw in preseason, it just some of those players just aren't really meshing the way that they they should be um also one thing that i think is um should be changed in the rotation is dwight howard should probably start and dj come off the bench i'm a huge deandre jordan fan but i think that dwight howard deserves to start uh just has a little bit more energy they're both very vocal but i feel like with Dwight, he's just more of an imposing presence, and alongside an AD, you're going to need that, so I think starting Dwight over DJ would be the better move going down the line, uh, but that's that's really all I can say about this Laker team. Should they panic? No. It's, it's way too early for them to be panicking. I'm sure that everybody's going to say, like, if they start 0-5, I'm sure everybody's going to say, like, you need to blow it up, you need to trade everybody. Like, not everybody, but, like, trade everybody who's not named LeBron James and Anthony Davis. So, if if they get to that 0-5 start, I still think that that's something that they don't need to hit the panic button just yet. Um, now, if they continue to go down that road and end up only, like, 5-15... and 15, then it's it's cause to panic because it at that point you're really telling them like yo there's there's a very minimal amount of games that you can lose for the rest of the season and with how old these players are and all the injuries that they're already dealing with i think that that if they get to that point of 5 and 15 it would just have to be blown up and it's it's kind of reminiscent of the um, that old Lakers team with Gary Payton and Carl Malone. And, you know, hopefully the team doesn't have the type of drama that that team had. But it, in terms of talent-wise and the expectations and the very good possibility of them underachieving is, is all there. So, yeah. Uh, it, the West is still stacked. The Lakers are not the clear-cut fav- clear favorite. And anybody who really thinks that they're the clear-cut favorite is really just a, a diehard Laker fan, which is no problem. Like, I, yeah, I, I like to talk trash about Laker fans every now and then, but for them to believe in their team and think that they're going to be the best, like, that's, that's what a fan should do. So it's it is what it is but this this team like it it should be okay but if it ends up being a 5 and 15 then yeah you you guys actually absolutely should be concerned 
Now moving on to my next subject, uh, Tyler Hero's comments about him being in the same conversation as like Luka Doncic, Trey Young, and John Morant. I think he's justified in saying that. A lot of people were giving him flack for saying that. I mean, as a player, you should feel that confidence that you should be amongst the names of like the young rising stars when you're a young rising star. Now, do I think that he's on the level of a Luka Doncic, Trey Young, or John Morant? Absolutely not. But what he's shown in the preseason of just being a little bit more mature in terms of shot selection, he's he's not just chucking up shots anymore. He's really dissecting the defense. So if he continues to move in this direction, then... Yeah, there's no reason why he can't end up in that conversation with those players. It's just a matter of him continuing to work on his game. And in a situation like Miami, where they're all about work and getting better at your game, there's really no, like, I don't get how people are saying, like, oh, like, his comments are, like, they they don't make sense. Like, he shouldn't have made those comments. And... I see it's like, no, like he, he did the right thing. He made those comments for a reason. And he's probably going to prove throughout the season that he actually does deserve to be in that conversation about the young up and coming stars. I'm not going to say that he's going to be just as good as those three players, but in terms of like talking about young and up and coming players that could eventually end up being stars, he he will definitely need to be in that conversation. Um, now, moving along to something else that I really wanted to talk about is DeAndre Ayton's future with the Phoenix Suns. Um, it's, it's looking very, very murky. I don't think that he's going to end up getting... Well, it's already past the point where he could get a rookie contract extension... The Phoenix Suns didn't want to give him what he wanted, which was like, I believe it was a five-year deal, and they were only wanting to offer him a four-year. Um, in terms of rookie contracts and extensions, I I thought that the max that you could do was a four-year extension, but I, I guess not. So that was something that was uh, very shocking to me. As soon as the news came about, that Mikel Bridges has signed his rookie extension. I was like, okay, this is this is a problem. And then the news came out later on that the talks between DeAndre Ayton and the Phoenix Suns have completely stopped. So it's it's not looking good for the Phoenix Suns in terms of moving forward just due to the fact that now you're going to have a DeAndre Ayton who's a little bit more concerned about dealing like filling filling his own stats which is completely justified because now you guys put him in a position the Phoenix Suns have put him in a position where he has to prioritize that because everybody else has gone and gotten paid he's now auditioning for every other team in the rest of the league now I believe he would end up being an unrestricted free agent at the end of this season, which 
you know, the Phoenix Suns could match whatever offer sheet that he does receive. Though, with them not giving this extension, I really don't believe that they're going to actually, like, match anything that comes across the table. And, you know, there's going to be a, a few teams that really could use a DeAndre Ayton. Like, I can see him ending up with the Pistons, the Spurs. He could honestly possibly end up with the Knicks. The Wizards are another destination that I can see him ending up going in a year, depending on how that team looks um, in a year from now. But it's it's really bad that the Phoenix Suns have put them in this themselves in this situation because now, like I said, DeAndre Ayton's going to be concerned with his own stats. He's going to be concerned with his own game, which is completely justified because they put him in that position. Do the Phoenix Suns have the same season like they did last year? No, absolutely not. Like now with this, there's no way that they're going to have the same kind of season that they had last season, just off the simple fact that he like really bought into doing all of the dirty work. He didn't care about scoring points. If he scored, if he scored he scored he didn't really care about it but now it's a situation where he needs to care about it 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 really sucks that the phoenix suns put themselves in this position because they they have an amazing team a really amazing young team and something that kendrick perkins talked about i don't know maybe two weeks ago or so is like why didn't Chris Paul take less money just so he can make sure that DeAndre Ayton gets paid it was just it's something like Chris Paul has made a ton of money throughout his entire career the simple fact that he gobbled up so much of that cap space is it is just very um it's very odd to me it is very very odd that he decided to make that move but you know, that's that's completely on him, the Phoenix Suns organization, and the way that they negotiated the contract. So there's there's nothing to be said there. I don't think that Chris Paul is a bad guy or was thinking that if he took less money, it would greater have a, or DeAndre Ayton would have a greater chance of getting that max rookie contract extension. Um but you know he he's been around the league enough to understand the cap situation and also to understand how cheap the Phoenix Suns owner is um i mean he he's been in markets where like the owners are quite frankly frugal um the only place that i can say that he was where they didn't have a problem with spending money was Houston and that's that's really about it. Um, every other destination that he's been to has been a very frugal owner. So he understands frugal people and how how things come about. So it it was just it is definitely a very interesting tidbit that Chris Paul took as much money as he did. Um, 
but you know that that's that's the name of the game i guess uh just he is getting up there in age so i understand him wanting to continue to get paid but his last big contract should have been his last big contract that's that's really it he should have probably signed like a much smaller deal kind of gone like the dirt route of just saying like hey you know what we've got something special here i'll take less money and let's run it back and make sure that everybody's locked up long term he's there for the next three years now without a deandre ayton that team's defense steeply declines and there's nobody out there in the open market that could actually replace his productivity so it's it's very confusing to me that the Phoenix Suns are going down this route. Um, I'm not surprised that they are, but it is definitely confusing. Um, and then another thing, like that, that's all I can really say about that is is a confusing situation. It's very unfortunate for Aiden because he deserves a max contract and nothing else. Just with how much he impacts winning he should be getting paid really well. Um, Now, moving on to the WNBA, I want to congratulate the Chicago Sky on winning their first ever championship. Uh, it's, It's such a nice story just to see that Candace Parker, like, Candace Parker will always be one of my favorite players just because she's she was a face of the Sparks for so long and I'm quite honestly like a big Sparks fan. But just to see her go back home in her first season, like as a sixth seed going into the playoffs, they make it all the way to the finals and win it all. Like it it's it's just such such a great story, and you know, Candace Parker is a, a true champion. She's gonna end up being one of those people that they look back at and say, like, yeah, like she was one of the ghosts. She's gonna be in the conversation with the Lisa Leslies, the Della Dons, the Deanna Taurasi's. Like, she's gonna be. She's already in those conversations. But this championship has really solidified her position in WNBA history. Not only WNBA history, but basketball history, period. It's, it's just such a, a, an amazing thing. I don't know a single player, male or female, who's gone home to their hometown team and won a championship the same year. Like, what she has done is very historic and should be recognized and applauded. So I I do want to take, I am taking that time to give her her flowers and say congratulations for leading your team, your city to the finals and bringing home a championship. Congratulations. I don't like that you beat the Mercury and stole that away from, from the girl Diggs, but it's... I'm I'm happy for you. I'm very very happy for you. Happy for the city of Chicago. Um, I know that they're super ecstatic. I saw Pat Beverly tweeting out immediately about the championship. So I know the whole city is ecstatic about this, which is 
great. You know, it's the more eyes that we have on the WNBA, the better, because it is amazing basketball. If you're not watching the WNBA, I don't care how long you've been watching basketball, how much you think you're a fan of basketball. You are not a fan of basketball if you are not watching the WNBA, because that is some of the most skilled plays, games, like series that you really will ever see. So, yeah, like it's it's not as athletic as the men, but the cerebralness of each of these teams is you have to watch it. It's honestly quite amazing. And the last thing that I'm going to talk about today is me getting the opportunity to go into a Clippers practice. Now, it I wasn't expecting to see anything that like really blew me away, but Serge Ibaka, his play was kind of like it was really insane. Like he's very mobile. It doesn't seem like he's dealing with any sort of stiffness. And like he's playing really, really good defense. At a certain point during the scrimmage and the practice, Serge Baca and Marcus Morris ended up going one-on-one. And it just the way that Serge was able to move his feet, stay in front of Mook, it was it was really impressive. It did end up with like Serge did block the shot, but it ended up with Mook getting to the line due to a foul. But it just shows that Serge is Serge is ready to go. Like his back for at least from what I saw is not a problem. He was going in in spurts. He only played like I'm gonna say it was like three four minute spurts, and then they would take him out. But he went in and out of the game, I want to say, at least five times. So it was a situation where, like, he's he's still, he's getting run, and he's proving that he's, he's ready to go. Um, the other person, or other player, rather, that really, really impressed me was Brandon Boston. I think that he actually will end up being a rotational player, probably will get a little bit more minutes than Keon Johnson just because I really like Keon, but it just seems like there's a little bit of a a confidence thing right there that he's dealing with. So I think it's going to take him a little bit more time to crack the rotation. Brandon Boston is, he exudes confidence. He's like, he's fearless. He's a fearless player. That is for sure. I can definitely tell you that. He, yeah, I'm very impressed with Brandon Boston. The connection that him and Terrence Mann have in terms of their chemistry and just knowing where each of them is going to be. Like, Terrence Mann is really developing into a really good, like, assist man. He's developing really good chemistry with uh, Luke Kennard as well. So, like, but staying on Brandon Boston... Uh, I really do think that this kid can be a great player for the Clippers this season, actually. 
Um, he is lacking a little bit on the defensive end, so he does need to work on that. Probably needs to get into the gym and add on some weight onto his body because he's he's getting like thrown. He he really was like kind of getting thrown in practice, and it once he starts building up a little bit more muscle, getting a little bit stronger, he'll he'll be able to hold his own a bit better from from that point. So that that was like those were the two really big outliers to me of seeing Serge Ibaka and Brandon Boston really put on a show. Reggie Jackson like he was playing like it was a regular season game, like it wasn't a practice. So it was you know, I know Reggie's going to be ready to go for the season. Paul George looked great. Marcus Morris looked great. Luke Kennard, he it is is still a mental thing for him. He's struggling with shooting the ball when he immediately catches it. Um, I I see that he's each time somebody else makes a three after like he went down. I can't remember if it was a pin down or he just ran off a screen, but he his form was great and it just kind of rimmed out the very next play uh terrence mann comes back down and from nearly the same spot like terrence mann walks into it and shoots it nothing but net i immediately looked over to luke Kennard to see how his reaction was to that and i could see that he was honestly like feeling that of just like damn like I need to be better so I think that the more he gets out of his own mind during the game during practice like really it it needs to be a focus for him to just get out of his own head and just focus on just shoot just shoot just let it fly you know um one person, I don't know if he is in contact with them, but it would be really good for him to be in contact with um, J.J. Redick just to get a little bit of advice. Because J.J. went through kind of the same thing early on in his career with Orlando. So I think that J.J. would be a really good asset to to Kennard right now in terms of helping him with the mental aspect of being a shooter and just continuing to get those shots up and knowing that they're going to fall. Because I do believe Luke Kennard can end up being just as a prolific three-point shooter as J.J. Redick. It's just a matter of him coming over that mental hurdle. Um, also, Eric Bledsoe looked really good. Uh, the way that he... His defense was really impressive, but what really impressed me was his playmaking ability, the way that he was able to weave the ball through and get it to his players. Like, I I was really, really impressed with that because, to be honest, I haven't really watched Eric Bledsoe since he left the Clippers. I was, like, or not, I, I did watch him while he was in Phoenix, um... But from there on, like when he was in Milwaukee, I I honestly didn't really watch him. And while he was in New Orleans, I definitely didn't watch him. But just to see how much he's grown as a point guard, as a floor general, 
is really impressive to me. At first, I was extremely upset about the Patrick Beverly trade. And, but now seeing Eric like up close in practice and, you know, through, through the um, preseason as well, he's, he's really shown that he can be the floor general for the Clippers. Like that's going to take off so much pressure from Paul George and Kawhi. They don't have to worry about the playmaking aspect as much anymore they'll i'm sure that they'll still do things with playmaking but i don't think that it's gonna be too much like now now you're dealing with a three-headed dragon you know if bledsoe has a ball he's gonna be able to distribute create plays if Kawhi has a ball he's gonna be able to do the same thing same thing with paul george so now having all three of those players, and I think that they'll end up being all in the starting lineup together eventually. Um, that is a really, really good, like, three-wing defensive and playmaking. Like, like I said, a three-headed dragon is going to be really, really nice to watch, really nice to see. I know everybody was saying that it would be the like it would be that three-headed dragon defensively with Patrick Beverly and it kind of was towards the end of last season. Now with Bledsoe, I feel the same way that it can be that three-headed dragon defensively but also adding in that playmaking aspect. Not to say that Patrick Beverly wasn't a good playmaker, he was decent, but Eric Bledsoe is clearly better at uh, playmaking than Patrick Beverly. And that's no knock on Beverly. You you get Beverly because he's a dog, he's a leader, and that's something that Ty Lue has been saying is just like the the team needs to be louder because ever since losing Patrick Beverly, there's the vocal presence isn't necessarily there as much anymore. So I don't know which player it's going to be that steps up and ends up being that vocal leader. I can't really see it being Paul George just because that's not really his style. Can't see it being Kawhi because it's not his style either. But, you know, maybe it falls into the into the hands of Marcus Morris, somebody that I think could actually uh, fill in on that role. But may, Or maybe it just ends up being a, a collective thing because when you lose your... Uh, once you lose your emotional leader and can't like Patrick Beverly was the heart and soul of the Clippers. So when you lose that, it definitely causes some issues in terms of how you're going to continue forward with keeping the energy up and keeping the intensity that you guys were known for just a season ago it's kind of a situation where like if the Warriors were to trade away Draymond Green who in that situation steps up and takes over that role of being that guy who doesn't care about stepping on people's toes or hurting people's feelings to just let them know what it is and you know Clippers are in that position right now and 
I'm I'm sure they'll figure it out, but it's it's gonna take them some time to figure it out because, like I said, Patrick Beverly is the heart and soul of the Clippers. He poured everything that he had out onto the court every single game. So I'm not I'm not sure who it's gonna be. Honestly, I can actually see Team Man filling in that role as well, but. With him being like only a three-year, third-year player, uh, it might be a little hard for the rest of the team to accept him in that role. But yeah, between Marcus Morris and Terrence Mann, those are the two people that I think would be the most. Um, the word is escaping me right now, but the the most wow likely yeah the most likely to end up filling that role. Um, that Patrick Beverly has has left. So that was the last thing that I wanted to talk about. We'll call that a wrap for episode nine. Um, I will be dropping another episode tomorrow. This the next one is going to be more so about my predictions for the rest of the season. Um, like I said, I wanted to do these pods a little bit um, a little bit before they've they've happened but you know it is what it is but i'll i'll give you guys my record predictions for each of the teams um i've already done pretty much the entire western conference just have to finish off the memphis memphis grizzlies and the clippers with that being said we will end it here um Again, thank you guys for being so patient and dealing with the absence. I really appreciate everybody reaching out and being like, hey, like, what's going on? I, I know that you guys are listening and enjoying it. So um, I'm happy that you guys are enjoying it. And I'm having fun, so much fun doing it. So until next time, uh, tomorrow, uh, I'll see you guys and I'm going to get out of here. As always, thank you to everybody who shares the pod. I always say this at the end is just like I have a very hard time with self-promotion. And the whole reason why this podcast has grown to what it is now is because of everybody who listens. So honestly, thank you very, very much for everything that you guys do. I could not thank you enough. I really do appreciate it. And with that being said, I'll see you guys in the next episode. Peace.